Hi, this is Doug Beecham. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. Uh, we are continuing our study of uh, the book of Hebrews. And if you've not had a chance to listen to uh, the first two podcasts on, the, on this particular theme, I hope you'll go back and listen to them. Uh, I'm setting the stage uh, in those first two podcasts. And much of my emphasis as I'm working through Hebrews with you is, is to put special focus on how the writer of Hebrews, uh, identified as a pastor uh, by uh, Gareth Cockerell, uh, how this writer uses the, uses the Old Testament to show the, the promise and fulfillment elements uh, that are true about who the Son is, who Jesus Christ is. In the last podcast, we took a look at chapter 1. And in chapter 1, we saw a number of things. We saw several uh, Old Testament citations. We saw a connection to creation. We saw a connection in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7 to the Davidic promise that, uh, that God had given to David. We, we found a, a connection to Messianic Psalms like Psalm 45. Uh, we, we see the Son identified as the son, but we also see him identified as the firstborn. Uh, that phrase uh, is not used too often. It, um, it's a word whereby uh, Jesus is, is identified. It's the first, by the way, of three other uses of that title uh, uh, in the book of Hebrews. Uh, the firstborn, protokokos, and uh, the we don't yet have the personal identification with who the Son is as He's incarnate. But we're going to start to move towards that in chapter 2. In chapter 2, anytime, those of you who study your Bibles, anytime you have a verse that begins with therefore or now or something like that, that therefore takes you back immediately to the preceding verses and the content that was in chapter 1. So we chapter 1 concludes with this affirmation that Jesus is far superior to the angels. In fact, he's not an angel. He is the eternal son. He's not a created being. It concludes with a statement that angels do have a purpose. Their, their purpose is to be uh, ministering uh, to us uh, who will inherit salvation. Uh, I'm not going to take time to get into a, a big discussion here about angels. We know angels exist. Uh, the word angel actually may not necessarily refer to somebody floating around with wings. Angel means a messenger. God has sent messengers. But Jesus is more than a messenger. Jesus is the message and the messenger at the same time. For this therefore of chapter 2 calls us then to take very seriously, be very careful, take heed to what we have heard and don't drift away. Uh, I read a very important section to you out of uh, Garrett uh, Cockerell's commentary about the warning, the marginalization, potentially within the, in the framework of honor and shame in the Hellenistic world that this Christian community is experiencing, the, the tendency to drift away, the tendency to want to have the approval of the world, uh, the world now rather than the world to come. And he gives a warning there. 
And at the end of that warning, he he tells us, this goes down to verse 4, that God, God's Holy Spirit has been at work in giving signs and wonders with various miracles, gifts of the Spirit, by which people can discern and recognize God is at work. Then you start to move at verse 5 back into a clear use of the Old Testament. And at verse 5, it begins to tell us about the fulfillment of the divine plan in the eschaton, that is, in the world to come. Listen to what verse 5 says. Again, I'm reading from the New King James. For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak, in subjection to angels. But one testifies in a certain place saying, and now he quotes, he quotes out of Psalm chapter 8, verses 4 through 6. What is man that you're mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You've made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor. Remember that phrase, crowned him with glory and honor. It's going to be repeated a little bit later in chapter 2. You've set him over the works of your hands. You've put all things in subjection under his feet. This, this psalm is, is David's witness to the promised son. The conclusion of the, of the, of the psalm citation puts the emphasis on the subjection of all things under the sun. You, you saw that actually at the end of chapter 1, where, again, a reference is made to the Psalms. Sit at my right hand till I've made your enemies your footstool. Subjection, putting things under Jesus' feet. The son's position at the right hand of the Father is more than positional or anticipatory. It is an affirmation of the Son's triumph on the cross and His resurrection. The complete victory of the Son is affirmed by the clause that you see in, in, uh, in verse 8, affirmed by the clause, He left nothing that's not put under Him. Listen to that in the second part of verse 8. For in that He put all in subjection under Him. He left nothing that is not put under him. That is a profound statement. It, it is a statement that is designed to show the complete victory that's been accomplished in Jesus. Yet, the pastor in this sermon lives in a real world because look how the next part of verse 8 goes. But now, that is at this present time, we do not yet see all things put under him. This is this the honesty of this is it is something that, that draws our heart to the reality that God knows our, our predicament. God knows our condition. We, this is this is a powerful picture because in, we only get to the name of Jesus in verse nine. Look what happens. We have this promise that the Son, all things have been put under his feet. It's a reality. But then we have this statement, but right now, we don't live that way. At this present time, we don't yet see that reality. And it's in the next verse, verse 9, that we have the first naming of Jesus. Listen to how it reads in verse 9. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor 
that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. In 2.9, Hebrews 2.9, we have the first naming of Jesus. This is the identification of the Son incarnate who lived in human history and whose life, death, and resurrection are that which can be testified to with certainty. This is not mythology. The life of Jesus was real human flesh, day and night, months and years, in the Roman Empire, in Palestine. This is real history changing history. That wonderful phrase, but we see Jesus. You know, you and I don't yet see from the human side the full subjection of all things under the Lordship of Jesus. That's only seen from heaven's side. But we are called to see Jesus. In Jesus, we see his suffering of death. We see the vivid description of his tasting death. The pastor used a a really interesting phrase, tasting death. It's not a new idea. It actually originated in Jesus' own words in Matthew 16, 28, where Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And again, as used in John 8, 52, this is the Jews quoting Jesus, the Jews who are opposed to Jesus. They attribute this to Jesus. If anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. That's a, that is, that's a colloquial Hebrew expression of tasting death. But the suffering of Jesus in verse 9 is also connected to his exaltation in the ascension, where he's crowned with glory and honor. In the last podcast, I, I asked you to uh, remember that, or uh, actually in the earlier part of this podcast, to remember that citation out of Psalm 8. He's crowned, crowned him with glory and honor. And now you have that phrase being repeated It provides a clear connection to this messianic psalm to the person of Jesus of Nazareth. The historical act of Jesus' death and ascension are revelations of the grace of God. Jesus in his being and his actions is the manifestation of divine grace towards us. I'm going to bring this to a close. We're going to pick up uh, a little bit later on uh, the continuation of chapter 2. But I want you to ponder this. I want you to ponder this reality in which we live. On heaven's side, through the reality of the death and resurrection of Jesus, everything has been put under subjection to Jesus' feet. On our side, we don't yet see the fulfillment, the completion of that. Sin still reigns. Death is still real. We see it every day. We experience it every day. But we see Jesus. That's how you and I are called to live. We're called to be people who live, see Jesus, recognizing in Jesus that the triumph has been ultimately won in his death and resurrection. And that is our hope. And that is our certainty. Well, I want to thank you for sticking with me as we go through uh, the book of Hebrews. Um, We're going to take a pause. This 
This podcast cycle right now is coming to an end as we enter the Thanksgiving Advent Christmas time season. And uh, I'm going to take a break, uh, give you a break uh, from the the USA Thanksgiving time, the end of November uh, to the beginning of uh, the year 2020. If you've not had a chance to go back and listen to all the podcasts, I hope you'll do that. I think there are 31 of them total with this one or 30. Uh, Go back. You can listen again on on your iTunes or your Google account or at iphc.org. And uh, invite somebody you know to, to join in listening to all the podcasts and particularly somebody you know who might be interested in being a part of uh, this study of Hebrews, which is certainly going to carry us uh, for several more sessions as we move into the year 2020. God bless you. Thank you for joining me. And I pray you have a wonderful holiday season as we come to the end of 2019.